This is the Sporting KC Show on Sports Radio 810 WHB. It falls to Ely on the volley! What a finish! Gotti Kinda has struck! It falls to Polito and he puts it in! To Johnny Russell, first time shot! And Johnny Russell has a hat trick! The Sporting KC Show is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. Superior light beer with only 95 calories and 2.6 carbs. Michelob Ultra. Find your fit. Now your host, Nate Buchanan. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Sporting Kansas City Show postseason edition on your home for Sporting Kansas City Soccer, Sports Radio 810 WHB, and wherever you get your podcast, wherever you download your online content. We appreciate you listening. We appreciate you uh, liking, subscribing, and telling your friends all about the show. As always, I am joined by the one and only Allie Trost. Allie, how are you? I'm doing well, Nate. It's weird to have a little bit of a break after five games in 15 days, but all to get ready for the one that matters most, Sporting KC against Vancouver. So uh, looking forward to that. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, we have a lot to get to on the show today because, yes, we do have a weekend off for Sporting Kansas City, but the soccer keeps rolling because maybe the biggest game of the World Cup qualifying campaign for the United States men's national team. When I say biggest, I don't know that the stakes are the highest with this one, but in terms of the anticipation, the expectations, the measuring stick that is taking on Mexico in the United States is coming up on Friday night. So we're going to talk about that. And we have a very, very (laughs) special guest that we're excited excited. to talk to. This is like... uh, There's so much going on right now. It's always like those weeks where you're like, oh, okay, we've got a little bit of time off. But it's like, hold up, because we've got national team talk. We've got MLS talk. And obviously, after a crazy decision day and a very, um, like you said, high stakes World Cup qualifying round, there's a lot to get to. Yeah, so the guests we have, this is like... um, my kids aren't old enough to go off to college yet or anything, but it kind of feels like one of your kids has gone off to college or one of your best friends has, and they're back in town for the holidays, like for Thanksgiving or something. And it's like, man, what's it like going out to Harvard or, you know, something like yeah. that? It, because we're going to talk with Gianluca Busio, former sporting Kansas City player, of course, always an SKC guy. We, yes. we can say he'll always be an SKC man. Uh, those of us that uh, that love Gianluca have been watching him play all of his games with Venezia. They just got a big win against Roma last weekend, and now he's back in the States to represent the United States against Mexico. Boy, has it been quick for him. He gets called in for the Gold Cup. He works his way into the rotation. Now he's getting called in for qualifiers involving this one against Mexico. So we're going to talk with Boost. It's going to be awesome to catch up with him and talk about life for Gianluca yeah. Busio. Uh, also on the show, we're going to hear from Peter Vermees. I don't know if you heard, he had a relatively explosive post-game news conference after sporting Kansas City's 1-0 controversial loss to RSL on Decision Day. And we're going to hear from Vanny Sartini, the manager of the Vancouver Whitecaps, who will be coming to Children's Mercy Park and winning, according to Vanny Sartini, uh, during his postgame. I just wonder, is he still going to smell like champagne? Because (laughs) it sounded like that was flowing. The two most uh, entertaining postgame conferences that came, news conferences that came out of Decision Day, uh, involve the teams that are going to be squaring off at Children's Mercy Park on November 20th at 4 o'clock. We're going to preview that for you. We're going to look back on Decision Day. And we're also going to get to some big news today as well. And we're actually going to start with that, Allie, before we get into 
the uh, the decision day drama that happened at Children's Mercy Park on Sunday. And that news came out today. We're doing this on a Wednesday. Matt Beasler retires after a storied 13-season Major League Soccer career. Matt posted on uh, social media today, and he is not a person who tends to post often mm-hmm. on social media. I'm just going to go ahead and read what he wrote in all caps. News, colon. I've decided to officially retire from playing professional soccer. I'm incredibly grateful for the experiences and relationships the game brought me. My career was made possible by the help of many other people and a lot of luck. I look forward to thanking those people over the next few weeks. For now, thank you to my family. You've made countless sacrifices and allowed me to live my dream for such a long time. I love you all. Soccer will always be a part of my life, and I can't wait for the next adventure. I'm so excited to start a new challenge and look forward to approaching it with the same determination I had while playing. Uh, My personal anecdote, I will tell you that uh, I I knew Matt was coming back to town quickly because I got a text message from him yesterday during the morning show, and it was simply a picture of the South Haven, Arkansas City exit off of I-35. And Arkansas City is where I spend a lot of my life because it's where my mom and stepdad live. Spent two years of school there, and uh, Matt knows that, so he just sent me a picture like, hey, I'm driving past Ark City right now. So I knew he was on the way home. Did not know he was going to be officially announcing his retirement, but uh, 314 matches in Major League Soccer. Uh, He made uh, every start during the World Cup in 2014 for the United States men's national team among 47 appearances for the U.S. national team. He was a best 11 player. He was... Uh, an MLS Cup champ. He's one of the three uh, men who started every single cup final that Sporting Kansas City have played in since the rebrand. Uh, and he'll be a legend, certainly, at some point in the near future. And uh, and congratulations to him on an amazing career. Yeah, congrats. And, I mean, I, I think a lot of us, when he, you know, him him and Sporting parted ways at the end of last season, you know, I think it was, that's where a lot of the, the emotion kind of came out from the fan base. But, you know, Nothing but well wishes, of course, still um, seeing that from a lot of sporting fans. And, you know, now he gets to enjoy this next chapter of his life. He has, you know, expanded his family, welcomed a, a new child into the world this year. So just excited for him and, and his crew to, you know, enjoy this next chapter. We talked with, you know, Seth Sinovic a lot about what that looks like. So excited to hear more from Matt about what that next chapter will look like uh, for him. But definitely a, a very long, successful career to be very, very proud of. And Seth Sinovic just completed an Ironman triathlon, so he stayed active since he uh, retired from soccer. We'll see what Matt has yeah. in store You know, I, after I'm all always this. curious, because like, <laughs> you, you, know, you see some athletes who just completely go one of two ways. You're either like, I am free from the chains of this very strict regimen that I've been following for the last however many years. I'm eating whatever I want. I'm... I hate working out. I hate running all those things. And then you also just see people. It's just part of their life. So uh, good for those people. And we'll see if Matt is uh, is going to be an an Iron Man type. I'm curious to see. Yeah, we'll we'll see. We'll see. But (laughs) congratulations to Matt and the Beasler family. Now let's move on to decision day. Um, Sporting Kansas City fall to RSL 1-0. Everybody that's listening to this knows the proceedings. There was a ball that... uh, should have been called a handball. It's been acknowledged by Pro Referees Association that uh, – or Pro Referees Organization? Pro. Pro. P-R-O. Um, they've acknowledged that it should have been a handball, should have been reviewed. Uh, none of those things happened. RSL come down. Demir Krylock, who's been the guy that's really carried that team for the past three years, 
redirects home uh, an attempted bicycle kick at the very uh, death of the game and and revived RSL's chances, and now they're in the postseason and Sporting Kansas City are not. Um, and you were on the field uh, for the probably most emotional uh, post game that you've ever been a part of since joining the Sporting KC broadcast? To say the least, because, you know, when you're getting, um, you know, Vermees or those players just in the immediate moments after, like Vermees paused before he walked over to me to watch the replay a few more times. So it's only just, you know, the flames mm-hmm. are getting bigger and the mm-hmm. steam's, you know, coming out with more force. But yeah, I, I, I've never seen it. It's always hard though right to when you've got a an entire game and like let's be honest that neither team really had too many quality chances in the few that you know like sporting did for example they just were a, a hair off you know shallow had some good opportunities cam duke maybe had the chance of the game for sporting kansas city uh just uh, you know a few minutes before the roger espinoza debacle happened in the box with the the no call on the hand uh, on the handball but it's always hard when the game comes down to moments like that because it just makes the it makes it that much more frustrating and emotional for everyone involved because that the game was decided on that play. It wasn't like that's not to say a missed call that happens, you know, in the first half doesn't carry as much weight, but when it happens in the final moments of the game when there is a lot on the line and you're depending on that moment, you don't have much more time after that to make up for a missed call. It it, it all comes down to that. So, yeah, that was hands down the most emotional and, and just I mean, the the frustration was evident from everyone. So watching it live from my perspective, um, just, I mean, we all see that we all have our our own set of eyes that we see everything through and the things that we're coping with or dealing with. And as soon as it happened, you see the reaction from Roger Espinosa. You, You get the sense, okay, this must be a handball because he is adamant. I mean, he's running all the way back down the field and telling Tim Melia to kick the ball out of bounds yeah. because he, you know, he knows this thing is going to be overturned, and he was right there. And you know, I have the guys in my headset telling me, uh, we're going to take a look at it. It's a handball. And see the first angle of it, and I, and I went back and watched it because you're kind of curious, like, how did I handle it? Did I cover it the right way in the live moment? And I immediately said, that's a handball. And then, and then Jacob, you know, in even stronger terms, you know, said that's that's clearly a handball. I can't fathom for me how they're not reviewing this. And then you start to question yourself a little bit. And we saw more and more replays that were kind of playing at real time where I'm like, well, is it possible it hit Espinosa's chest and not his hand? Um, I really want to see it again. And, and, and then once we had the chance to slow it down and show you can see Justin Glad's fingers moving, you can see where the ball changes mm-hmm. directions, you go, okay – because the thing is, for me, I don't want to – that's a heavy accusation, right? Like to yeah. say the VAR, the person who has the opportunity to watch this back again, slow it down, really take a close look at this, he got it completely wrong. That's a heavy accusation in a moment like that. Mm-hmm. And I remember while the ball was being kicked around thinking to myself, boy, think about all the things that are at stake here with yeah. this call. I mean, I remember thinking that while the game was going on. and For I teams even, that weren't yeah. even just playing on that yeah. field. I mean, LA yeah. Galaxy misses out on the postseason yeah. because of it. And if I'm thinking of that, I just can't believe that the, the person sitting in the truck, the VAR, isn't thinking the same thing. Oh, like, absolutely. this is a massive, massive decision. And I don't know, maybe they should be thinking of it, maybe they shouldn't. I don't know, maybe they should just be thinking, what is the right call? Probably that's what they should be thinking. Mm -hmm. Because I remember one of the things I thought to myself was, 
whoever's going to make this call, are they going to have the guts to make a call like this and call for a review when it's going to do so much to the Western Conference Oh, my standings? gosh. I, right? Well, and, and so— and I'm not suggesting that they didn't have the guts to call it. I don't know what was going on in that VAR's mind. I don't know why they didn't call it. Well, and, and I'll admit, like, I I didn't have a, g- a good way of immediately seeing some replays of it. So it kind of took me a bit to really, like, watch it. And it wasn't until we were doing the Final Whistle postgame show, Chad Reynolds and I, that we, we literally slowed it down and watched it in slow motion on replay. And it is very obvious when you are able to watch it in that way that you see the hand, like the, it is a clear handball. It is an unnatural position, and it and it, it intentionally hits the ball. But in real time, the very first time I saw it, I I couldn't yeah. totally tell. Yeah. Because it, yeah. it, it's it was just a, a weird angle in which both players were going at it. Yeah. So, but I think everyone's agreed. Pro has said this was the wrong call. Now here, let's play for you what Peter Vermees. We're not going to play the whole thing because the yeah. show's only an hour. <laughs> and and Peter went on for a good eight-plus minutes before he ever even had the chance. Uh, anybody had the chance to ask a question because he had some things that he wanted to get off his chest. When a, when a team, when a club in sports works the entire year, the entire year to accomplish an objective, and that includes players, staff, ownership, fans, and then you add into that the other teams in the league that are doing the same. Because the travesty that happened here tonight also affects other teams as well. Because they're expecting the game to be played correctly, and that is always incumbent upon the officials. Yes, the players, the coaches, the staffs, all have to do their part, but at the end of the day, you have two competitors that come against each other to play, and then what you have is you have this, you have an impartial group that is to come and referee the game, okay? And so, congratulations to, to Salt Lake, but what is incredibly disappointing, what is, is, a, is a stab to the heart of every single person that is associated to our club and to all the clubs that are competing because this result affects them as well. And so Salt Lake gets in, LA gets knocked out. LA is now sitting on the outside because of the call as well. And that is incredibly, incredibly unprofessional. The fact that you have VAR, the fact that you have replays, the fact that you sit upstairs and you look at replays and you have all the time in the world to make that decision. He could have he went a couple times because the ball didn't even go out of bounds. He could have blew the whistle at any time. But VAR not coming back and talking about a clear and obvious mistake that that's not a handball. If that is the case, if that's what they believe, then – and I am, I'm never – I'm never one to ever ask for anybody's job or anything. Then I would say that all of those guys are not able to referee, to, to look at VAR, to do whatever at this level. It has impacted everything. It is, it is the black mark on this league. It is an example of why we lose so many people to watch this game year in and year out, game in and game out, because we, we do not get it right. It's what I appreciate about the NFL all the time. 
I'm a big fan of the NFL because I think that they, they get it right. And when they make a mistake, they are professional enough to stand up and say they did. And they put in processes afterwards to make sure it doesn't happen again. And that's why they are the best league in our country. The fact that we miss that out there in any game, let alone with the magnitude of this game, is, is incredibly, incredibly disappointing to someone who's been in the league since 1996. See, we've come so far, but then we haven't come far enough because we can't even get that right and we have replay. I, I, I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed today to be a part of the league when you can't do that. Okay, and, and, and Peter's comments went on from there. I'm sure you've probably seen or heard most of them by now. If you haven't, you, you can find them. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they are all out there. And for me, I guess the question now becomes, you know, where do we go from here? And I know that Peter is a very fiery competitor, and I think that the part that he spoke that, that connects with everybody is – how much time, effort, and energy he, the players, the staff all put into this pursuit. Yes. And to have it come down to that is is unacceptable, and, and it's something that you just can't cope with, really. Totally. Well, and so here's my takeaway, and this is something that, like, when I see this sort of conversation happening online, like, I get frustrated when people are like, oh, well, you know, you don't hear from me saying anything about the Timelia play in Seattle and, and – you know, a a no call going their way uh, impacting the outcome of that game, or you don't see the the same reaction from Vermees when Amadou Dia goes into that tackle with Reynoso and, and, you know, they don't pull the red card. Okay, yeah. Like, what is Vermees going to do? Like, open his press comments? Man, they really should have – they should have ejected Tim Mealy from the game. It's like, to me, the game comes down to moments. A team doesn't pick up like, hey, that call went your way. There's – now just wait because in a couple – other similar situations, eventually we're going to have to to correct that, right? And then have a call not go your way. That's not how it works. It's just each individual game, each individual moment being evaluated. And your hope is that it is, that it's fair and that it's consistent from the referees. It's not like, I, there's no point going online and being like, oh, well, Vermees didn't seem so upset when that call went their way with Tim Mealy. That was a different game. That doesn't matter. That's completely irrelevant. And it didn't, yeah, that was maybe unfair from Seattle's perspective. I don't know, but it's also not, I don't know, just trying to take all of these different moments and be like, oh, well, you reacted this way to that one and this way to that one, and that one helped you out, this one didn't. It's like, it's not, a, it's not an ongoing thing. It's a game-by-game evaluation. Well, I, think that, I, I, I think the point that some of those people are trying to make might be in response to the part where Peter talked about how this is a consistent thing that goes against Sporting Kansas City. And we can sit here and we could rehash all the different calls that have gone in Sporting's favor and have gone against them, and I'm not really interested in, in, in keeping score on those things and, and, and auditing all of that. What I do think is that Peter Vermees answers to his players and his staff more than anybody else. Yes. And I think that he takes that podium thinking more about what message he's delivering to his team than he is to anybody else. And I do think he believes 
that Sporting Kansas City get a small market treatment because he's heard things said by the league before that indicate that. Mm-hmm. Now, is that why all these calls get made? I'm not going to go there. I, I I can't say that. But he has heard things said. We have seen rules get changed for the big market clubs in the middle of a season yeah. to help them out uh, because it's maybe for the betterment of the league. Uh, LA Galaxy might point out, hey, we got screwed by it and we're one of the biggest <laughs> right. market you know, teams like, there is. Hmm, RSL so, or, yeah. But what I, what I think is, and I hope this is the case, he is proving to his he's, he, his team knows he will fight mm-hmm. for them. He will fight anyone for them. He won't back down from anyone from them, whether it's the highest part of the league and it gets into his own pocketbook. And also, I think going into this postseason, he is trying to create a team that is going to be mad and have a chip on their shoulder and believe that the world is out to get them. And I think that that's a good thing for this team if that's the way they're going to go into this postseason. And I think that's something that he really wants to make sure they're all galvanized, they circle the wagons, Mm -hmm. and that they go into this postseason out for blood. Well, and you bring up a a good point, and that is, like, motivation this time of year. I mean, there are a lot of different things that that go into making a championship team. And I I think what's interesting right now and what you're seeing with two teams in the West who are playing under interim head coaches now having a chance to go and earn the MLS Cup – RSL, you've got the Vancouver Whitecaps coming to town and what Vanny Sartini's done. Um, you know, that that's a huge part of it. And I and I just am using that to transition to Vancouver here because I think what Sartini's done with this Vancouver team is incredible. And it is something that, you know, to me, there are two things that happen when you have an interim coach step in. You're a placeholder or you're a Vanny Sartini. You're someone who is taking the opportunity, running with it, using it to motivate the group and showing them like, I want to be your coach and I want this job and we're going to go out and who cares what happened in the first half of the season? This is where we're at in this part of the season. Let's go get it. Um, Peter Vermees, as a motivator, you know, has done that better than anyone else. And you don't have to look much further than the consistency in which Sporting Kansas City has made the playoffs. They've won or finished at the top of the of the conference. Um, so just all of those things, I think, come into play. But it, to me, a very exciting matchup with Sporting Kansas City and Vancouver. Okay, so that, let's go to Vanny Sartini's postgame because Vancouver got a draw against Seattle 1-1. They end up making it into the playoffs. They're going to take on Sporting Kansas City on November 20th. And he was in rare form. He's always we, on the ammo. We've seen him that with the encouraging his team on, pounding the table. He says we will beat Sporting Kansas City. Uh, and, and here just are, is, is a little taste of the Vanny Sartini experience after Vancouver saved their season when he took over late on. Phenomenal. And now, ask whatever you want. I'm going to invent today. Go. <laughs> All right. Phenomenal. we got lots of questions. Just to remind everyone... Um, the Whitecaps will play Sporting Kansas City in the playoffs? No, uh, we'll beat Sporting Kansas City. It's different. Okay, so maybe good for Vancouver, even though you'd think they maybe want to keep the momentum going that they built up in the postseason. I think the off week's better for Sporting because they get some guys healthy mm-hmm. and get to regroup a little bit. But uh, maybe good because they can they can recover, they can nurse their hangovers. I, it sounds after, like they're going this. to be dealing with a hangover more than anything else. But, you know, focusing on Kansas City and what this break could mean for them, it's everything. I, I think you can't overstate just how important it is for them to get players healthy. And, and that includes players who played in, in this last game on decision day against RSL. Daniel Shallowy still coming back um, from that ankle injury that, you know, has just made it a harder for him I think to to get into the form that we've seen him in when he's completely healthy 
Alan Polito still posting on social media, doing his rehab, working to get back into into the best form possible so he can help the Sporting Kansas City team out. Johnny Russell dealing with the knock. Gotti Kinda also dealing with the knock. I mean, those are those are four players that you need if you want to to make a, a really strong run. And that's not to say that the sporting team hasn't been able to do it without some of those guys, but I think seeing them down, Gotti, Polito, Johnny, and then Daniel probably not a hundred percent, that was that was too much. It was. Yeah. And that I think that's what we were shown is that, okay, that is about as injured as they can get. That's about as unavailable <laughs> um, as we can see these guys going into this stretch because you need at least some combination of them, and they just didn't have enough of that. Yeah, it's going to be a different team. If those guys are all back and healthy, it's going to be a different team than the one we saw in the last couple games of the regular season when they failed to get that win that would have gotten them the first place seed. Uh, just real quick on Vancouver, the way they closed the season out, six games unbeaten. A win, and, and, and you talk about running a gauntlet against good teams, a win against Sporting, a win against Portland and come from behind fashion, a win against Minnesota, those are three playoff teams, draws against L.A. and Seattle at the end of the year. Uh, so, yes, they are in good form coming into the postseason and flying high. It's going to be a big-time game at Children's Mercy Park on November 20th. We'll talk more about it here in a little bit. Get your tickets at SportingKC.com, 4 o'clock in the afternoon. You, you can't beat it at Children's Mercy Park. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk with Gianluca Busio. Right after this, this is the Sporting Kansas City Show on Sports Radio 810 WHB, presented by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. You're listening to the Sporting KC Show on Sports Radio 810 WHB. And we are back on the Sporting Kansas City Show on your home for SKC Soccer, Sports Radio 810 WHB. And wherever you get your podcasts, wherever you download your content, we appreciate you listening. And we were very excited for our next guest who is joining us on the phones. He is back stateside. I said this earlier, it's like... When some of us, like, you go off to college and all of a sudden one of your best buddies is going to, like, an Ivy League school or some big place out on the East Coast, and then they come back home for Thanksgiving, and you're like, dude, tell me about everything. Tell me tell me how it was, because Gianluca Busio is back in the States for a little bit uh, after uh, going off to Venezia this summer, and he's on the phone with us now. Gianluca Busio, how are you, man? I'm good, I'm good. Thanks for having me. Dude, it's, it's, I, I told you this before we started the interview, but... I never, I, I don't think I knew where, I mean, I didn't know what Venezia, the club was. Um, I didn't realize they had maybe the coolest uniforms. I've the kit, like the kits are just incredibly cool. Um, and now I'm watching every single game that they play uh, because you're out there, man. And you're out there like every minute of it. Are you hearing that from a lot of people back, back home uh, that, that are saying the same thing? Yeah, 100%. Um, I don't think many. Many people, at least uh, my people, knew much about Venice until um, until this year. So uh, it, it's cool. But, uh, I mean, I didn't really know much about the club until I started talking to them earlier. So, uh, uh, But, no, it's, a, it's an amazing spot. So and I'm happy that I ended up here. So what was your first impression? Like, let's let's go back a few months when you, you get there. It's this whole new experience for a number of different reasons. Like, you're, you're living in Italy. You're joining a new club. Just what were those first few weeks like? And what were your early impressions of, of Venice and of the club? Yeah, it was, uh, it was different. You know, it's, uh, when you're, you're starting everything new, you know, you're kind of starting over with everything. So that kind of is a little nerve-wracking. And obviously, I know a little bit about Italy, so that wasn't 
too much uh, new to me, but uh, I, I didn't know much about Venice exactly. You know, I didn't know they. I thought it was, you know, everybody says the the city on water. So, you know, I didn't really know how how much much work there. I don't know how they have, you know, facility, how they get around, stuff like that. So I was kind of more intrigued than uh, than scared at the at the moment. And and when I got there, obviously there's there's other small towns around Venice that are easier than, than some would think. So uh, that was just new, all new to me was you know learning about the the normal lifestyle of. of Venice citizens. No gondola ride to the, like, do you, I don't know. I, this is a, yeah, coming wanna... from someone who's not been to Europe ever. So I'm like, <laughs> you're saying water. I'm like, oh, I'm just picturing Busio with like a little espresso and a little gondola <laughs> action. Yeah, there's definitely gondolas. Nobody, uh, nobody actually goes on the gondolas unless you're a tourist. I, I've ah. seen. They're not very, the convenient way to get around. They're um, quite expensive and quite slow if you want to get around but uh there's definitely there's definitely boats everywhere and that's where that's the main mode in venice if you're in the city that's the main way of transportation or everybody either walks also but uh yeah we do we do take a boat to the game that's uh that's new to me we take a boat to the we would go the day before so we'll take a boat to the hotel and and you know a couple minutes away from venice and then so that was new to me so Definitely boats are a big thing here. That's so cool. Oh, my gosh. So, I'd be so, so seasick, but, like, that's awesome. So, like, are, are, do you live outside of town then? Is that when you say everybody comes in, like, you, you guys train yeah. away from the, the, the city and all that? Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, it would be pretty much impossible to live to actually, you know, do stuff in the city. It's just always so packed and, you know, parking and all that's hectic. So our facilities are in Mestre. It's, like, I'd say 15-minute drive away from Venice. And that's it's uh it's like a normal town. It's a normal small little Italian town. Just we have a facility there, and I my apartment's there also. So everything we do outside of the the stadium and, and appearances, I would say, then is all in this day. So we're visiting with Gianluca Busio, and, and we're hearing about life in Venice, Italy, which is is just is crazy to to hear about taking the boat. I want to hear about this boat ride. So does the whole team get on one boat, or is you guys just on your own? Like it's like getting a taxi to the game. How does that work? <laughs> nah, nah, it's a it's a team boat. We uh, like I said, we go a day before, so let's say we meet up at eleven at the the station, I guess, and uh, we have our our boat with all our equipment on it, and there's a about 30 seats on there and we all just sit down and it's a 20 minute boat ride to the to the hotel which is right beside the stadium and you know we'll stay there until the game i'm gonna run this by Kitman mike flaherty and see how he would feel about unloading <laughs> and loading a boat compared to like a plane <laughs> or a bus um that's pretty that's pretty cool so what um yeah. uh you know just as far as things that like a typical day in the life of jean luca busio during the season what does that look like um well Usually we, we train in the evening now, uh, somewhat usually, but we train more closer to, to 5 o'clock. So, hmm. you know, I get to – I usually sleep in and, you know, wake up a little later than I would. And then, uh, obviously, I'll either go out for – I don't have to cook that much. It hasn't really uh, got to me yet. But my brother and his girlfriend are living with me now, so they uh, – if they, they cook something, I'll eat. But, uh, you know, there's a nice little, a little brunch place that I, I like to – we still got you, Boos? Yeah. What's up? Okay, we lost you for a second there. As you were saying that uh, your brother and your sister live with you. Can you hear us now? Oh, yeah, yeah, I can hear you. Okay. So, yeah, so, yeah they live, yeah. But then, um, yeah, so I'd either 
have breakfast or as a nice little brunch spot around my my apartment and then just kind of prepare for training and then you know come home after training and it's too late for anything so i'll either order in and just chill but it's pretty much the same life that i had as in kansas nicer scenery i'll say <laughs> hey, hey! You know, beautiful here in the Midwest, but they it does... do call us the Paris of the Plains. <laughs> yeah, all right? that's right. So... <laughs> um, we're visiting with Jean-Luc Abusio. What about the soccer? I mean, what what uh, what is that? This you've only known one professional club and one way of doing things before you went to Venice. How different are things in terms of just maybe the the, the way the t- the team works, and then and also like the soccer on the field? How would you compare playing in uh, Syria versus uh, playing in MLS? Yeah. Um, obviously, it's a, it's a big difference. I think uh, obviously the language is, uh, is is different. Everything's different there, and uh, I think for me, just uh, I think in Italy, it's uh, obviously there's there's relegation, so I think that kind of adds a, a little bit of a more intensity to the games. I would say I think every game, especially for a side who just got promoted, every game there's a you know you're playing for you know trying to stay up, and you know there's pressure, and you know you have to get points in any way you can. So every game, you know, we're training, preparing like it's a it's a final pretty much. So that's something that uh, obviously in MLS we don't have that. So that's something that uh, I have to get used to was the you know games every game being you know that uh, intense and obviously you know the Serie A is one of the the biggest leagues in the world and one of the best leagues in the world. So the soccer is a little it's all it's all a little faster. Uh, the thinking and, and processing things a lot quicker and obviously all the players are extremely talented, but. Uh, you know, it's just uh, it's just a, uh, a little bit of uh, everything's a little bit f- faster, and you know the the stakes are a lot higher. I would say. And you're playing a huge part in that. Like that's so cool. I I'm curious for you, just you know, when you look at your game, what's one part of it that's really evolved since joining uh, the club and and Serie A? Mm-hmm. Um, I think for me, just kind of the defensive side of it and the the tactics. I think um, in the Serie A are especially our coach there. He's very big on the, the tactical side of the game. And I think everybody knows that Italian is, like, or is a very, you know, defensive league and, and um, you know, tactically orientated and stuff. So that I can tell has really improved for me. And, you know, each game there's a, a different game plan. And if you don't do the game plan right, then you're not going to play. So uh, for me, I, I think I'm just learning a lot more about, you know, the game in general, just, you know, different ways you can, you know, break team down or different ways you can defend and, and stuff like that. So that's just stuff that uh, I'm, I'm adding to my game and, and mainly just on in my uh, the mentality side of it. It's just I'm just learning a lot that, uh, you know, I didn't learn and haven't learned yet. So you must be doing things the right way if you say the coach won't play if you're not doing the, the game yeah. plan because you're playing like every minute, man. I mean, when I when I look out there, that's got to make you feel good that the coach seems to have so much trust in you right now. Yeah, obviously, like I said, if you, you do the, the right things and, you know, you play to how he wants you to play, you're going to play. So, um, for me, obviously, I, I try to do what he wants. And, obviously, you can add your own own taste to it and, you know, add your own skill to it. But, you know, the main thing is, is you know, he has a plan and you got to follow it. So, for me, in training, uh, i got to prove him that you can do it. And, you know, so far I've been showing that I can. So, yeah, the coach has a, a lot of trust in me so far, and, you know, I have nothing but trust and respect for him. Boosie, I'm not going to lie. It was a little hard for me joining sporting on the sidelines, and then, like, literally you were gone. So, yeah, I never really got a chance to uh, share the field 
uh, with you, and hopefully someday that'll be the case. But I've, I've, you know, gotten to know a lot of the guys so much better, and you know, a lot of them, you know, they talk about you, and you guys all keeping in touch. Just how's that part been? You know, leaving your former team. I know you're really close with a lot of those guys. Just what does that day to day correspondence look like as you guys stay in touch? Yeah, obviously, it's a. I think that was one of the hardest parts for me. Obviously. I, uh, my, my years in KC were, were amazing. And I think the people I met there was just one of the, the best parts about it outside of soccer, just the, the teammates and the, the friends I made there was the, the best part of it. So obviously leaving that was always going to be hard. And so, uh, but I know that, you know, the connections I made there were, were, you know, more than just soccer. So, you know, I, even wherever we go, I think we'll always stay in touch. So, you know, if that's uh, still in the group chat and, you know, Snapchatting and we'll always send each other, you know, funny things and stuff. So, and, and FaceTiming, but, uh, so it's, uh, always going to be there. And, you know, when I come back, uh, eventually for off season or vacation, then definitely going to, you know, hang out with them. So it's a connection that I'll always be there. Jean-Luc Abusio vacationing in Kansas City someday. <laughs> that we, we can dream of that. Maybe you'll be back here for the World Cup in five years. Hey. We're hoping Kansas City gets uh, awarded yeah. a, a, in one of the sites. And who knows? Maybe the U.S. will be here, and it, it sure seems like you're on the track to be a part of that team, uh, the way things are going right now. That's why we're talking to you right now, because you're, you're back in the States with, uh, with the United States men's national team, getting ready for a qualifier against Mexico. First off, just how's mm-hmm. camp going so far since you got back? Yeah, it's been great. It's been good. Uh, we've had some good days of training, and obviously, I'm still getting a little over uh, the jet lag a little bit, so that's uh, that's tough to to get used to. But uh, now nah, it's good. The training has been good, and obviously, we have a, a really really big game coming up. So it's kind of uh, uh, you know we just want to get out there already, and all the boys are, are ready and excited for this uh, opportunity. Okay, so my my favorite image of the Gold Cup against Mexico was the fact that you were the guy with your foot on the ball when the final whistle blew, um, you, you know, and that, that was like, that's our guy right there in, in, in what is the biggest game that the U.S. can play in. Uh, but, but its stakes are even higher now, right, because it's a, it's, this is for going to the World Cup. Um, how much did you learn? Um, about and I know you've played against Mexico at the youth levels and all that, but this is this is senior men's national team. Um, maybe what what did you take away from that first experience against Mexico, and how does that help you in this game coming up on Friday? Yeah, I think just the intensity of it all. I think uh, it's one thing that you know you can hear people that have played in these games can say that you know it's a fans the fans are crazy, but there's no real real way to explain it besides playing in it. So. Uh, you know, I've been lucky to get that experience in a, in a final, also where the stakes are at its highest. So um, it's a it's a it's a unreal feeling. You know, you're out there, you're you're playing your rival. The, the fans are crazy most of the time. They're full Mexican crowds, even if it's in America. So it feels like an away game, and it's just a it's just a, a bunch of pride that goes into it. You know, you know when you represent your country and you just want to show that you know give give it your all for your country and showing that especially against your rivals just it's a a special feeling and even from the youth levels it's been um it's been you know the games have been intense and now you've worked every moment to get to the the highest level and and now you get the chance to do it again so uh, it's a moment that i'm I'm not going to take for uh for granted well and Busio, I, I mean, just like thinking about this year for you, professionally going from MLS and sporting to Syria with Venezia, and then 
also your progression with the U.S. men's national team. I'm mean, winning the Gold Cup, uh, becoming a more and more established part of, of this team and really, you know, fighting for, for your spot in uh, Berhalter's starting lineup. Just, you know, what's the progression been like on the on the national team side? And how do you balance both of those? Because obviously, you know, it, it's different things. You, you're you're dealing with, you know, what, what sporting in Vermees and, and they're trying to do an MLS. And then, you know, you go over to Venezia and Syria and then, you know, you're going to the national team. Just how do you balance all that? Because I'm sure it's a lot of information. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a lot. Uh, I think uh, for me, I've always been, I like learning, especially about, you know, soccer. Uh, I think that I'm just getting a lot of information from everywhere. And it's, you know, one guy, somebody can say that it's, you know, too much. You, you can't handle all of it. But for me, it's, I'm learning about the game more. So that's something that I, that who wouldn't want to know about if they really love the game. So for me, I'm just taking it all in and, you know, I enjoy it. Even the, the hard parts of it, even if it does get difficult with, uh, you know, different kind of t- tactics and everything. But in the end, I know that this is going to help me. You know, the more complete of a player I can be is, is going to be the, the best for me in the long run. So I'm just, like I said, I'm taking it all in and, you know, all the different coaches and players I've been around, I can, you know, take everything that they know and bring it to, to the another environment. So it's just, it's uh, it's good for me and uh, I've enjoyed all of it. I will say that that's that's one thing Peter Vermees always said about you is that we, we put him in different positions, we ask him to do different things, and he processes all of it. I think that's a huge advantage for you uh, as you progress in your career. All right, just a couple quick ones before we let you go. Uh, this this team is fun. It's so fun to watch this national team because there's so many young, promising players like you that are that are in the early stages of what we think is going to be a great career, you know, for club and country. Um, so you're surrounded by a lot of guys in a similar situation to you. Who are you closest with? You got you got a couple guys on the team maybe that you uh, immediately gravitate towards when you're there. <laughs> uh, yeah, obviously, I think my uh, my fellow youth national team players I, I'm pretty close with so. You know, this came Joe Scally and, you know, Eunice. He, we played against him. He was on the English England national team, actually. So oh, wow. Played against him a lot. Joe Scally and George Bellows, he's here, Gio. Obviously, all this, it's easier, you know, for us to be closer just because we've been – we grew up together pretty much. We mm-hmm. started at the U15 level, and now, you know, we're all at the the, the national men's national team. So it's, it's pretty special, and the fact that we all started at the – the lowest youth national team and all came up slowly together is uh is pretty special so we all experience it together and it still feels like uh you know youth camps when we're together in the, the hotel rooms messing around so uh it's it's, uh, it's fun and it's uh special to have that feeling with them that's awesome and then we know your mom was at uh your, your parents were were at the last uh world cup qualifier in the united states and you just mm-hmm. told us your brother is with you in, in Italy, and we know that you're about to become an uncle. By the way, congratulations on that! You got you got family you. members in Cincinnati coming to this one. Yeah, mom and dad are coming again, and uh, yeah, so I'm looking forward to seeing them. I haven't seen them since uh, last camp, but yeah, I think they're going to make the drive up and be there supporting. That's awesome. Hey, well, you know you got everybody back in Kansas City pulling for you, man. We're so proud of you. We're excited for everything that's coming your way. You deserve all of it. And uh, go get three points against Mexico on Friday, buddy. Yeah, for sure. Thank you, guys. All right, that is Gianluca Busio. Uh, he's our guy. We'll, we'll always claim him as an SKC <laughs> guy, and he's going out there to take on Mexico on Friday night. We will take a break. Back after this on Sports Radio 810 WHB. 
You're listening to the Sporting KC Show on Sports Radio 810 WHB. And we're back on uh, this edition of the Sporting Kansas City Show on your home for SKC Soccer and wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Nate Bucati along with Ali Trost and our thanks to Gianluca Busio for joining us on the show today. And uh, I tell you what, it has been fun. And and for those that don't know, if you haven't been watching, if you have Paramount Plus, you can watch yes. Venezia play whenever you want. And right now, he was talking about relegation. They are one, two, three, four, five, sixth from last in uh, in Serie A, which for a club that just got promoted last year, I assume they relegate three. I'm not sure how many teams get relegated and promoted in Italy. I would assume it's three. Um, so they're in they're in decent shape, and they just got a win against Roma. Which, last by week, the way, huge. was, yes, huge, but also, I mean, Busio and Tanner Tessman, another, you mm-hmm. know, former MLSer, mm-hmm. played a huge role in that. They had not beat Roma since 1998-99 season. Like, that's crazy. He's playing every minute. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it, you, you know what a manager thinks of his of his guys by how many minutes he plays them usually, you know? But, like, are we surprised? Like, you had mm-hmm. mentioned in our interview with him, Vermees always said, like, the way he absorbs information and is constantly learning and mm-hmm. and and just improving like he's he has not plateaued once uh, yeah. in the last you know few years that we've seen him and that and to hear him talk about the defensive progression of his game is just so cool listen to me kids <laughs> listen to me right now if you're trying to become a soccer player this is me uh spending a lot of time around peter Vermees in my life he always talks about the four components of a player the mental the physical the technical the tactical I think there's a reason that Gianluca Busio has been undervalued by a lot of people because the tactical part doesn't jump off the page at you. The tactical awareness is something you have to watch consistently time after time. And you almost have to be aware of what the manager's tactics are to know whether or not the guy is going out there and employing those tactics. You know, And, and that, that tactical awareness is a huge component to the sport of soccer, and it's difficult because there is a lot of information to process, and it's all happening in live action. You don't get to stop and regroup and call yeah. timeouts and all that. And, and so if you can get better at that area, it might not be the part that wows all your friends and gets everybody excited like when you do a big step over and run past somebody, but it's just as important as all those things. But it's it's also why, you know, not everyone's cut out for a job like that. Busio's mom was telling us that he was always like that as a kid. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe it wasn't always being interested in, in learning things in the classroom, but when it came to sports and when it came to soccer, he was like a sponge, and, mm-hmm. and that is stuck with him. And, I mean, yeah, the greatest testament to any player is that the coach that they play for wants him on the field. And, mm-hmm. and Busio has proven uh, to be very valuable in a number of different roles uh, in the clubs that he's played with. I'm going to be su- interested to see what lineup Greg Berhalter goes with against this Mexican team. And, and maybe Busio's not in the starting 11. I've, I've heard a lot and seen a lot of pundits that say, well, he's a factor, but probably off the bench. And maybe that's true. Mm-hmm. I'll just tell you this. It won't stun me if he gets to start. No. It just won't because because he seems to keep getting more and more opportunities and every time he goes out there for Burhalter, he he impresses. Yeah, and I think um, I I think we're at a point now where you're going to see more and more people start making a case for John Lucabusio, which was not the case. It was always like, eh, mm. couldn't even see him get called in, and now it's mm-hmm. like, well, now because it, it, it's just it's one thing after another, right? All he needs is that opportunity, and I think you're really going to start to see him make a case for himself and to hear him get better on the defensive side of the ball and learning more in that area. We've we've seen what he can do offensively, and he's got so many uh, tools in his toolkit, you know, it, that makes him a, a dangerous player in the attack. But to to couple that with some strong defensive and just to be like a reliable player in that area um and then you know hearing him talk about the relationship he has with some of these young guys like I, I just think the the future of U.S. men's 
national team soccer is very, very exciting. And Gianluca Busio is one of the players that uh, makes me feel that way very strongly. <laughs> and and you know what? It, it These things happen very fast. Ricardo Pepe was was the last guy you know they tried everybody else time after time after time and now all of a sudden he's, he's a, the only number nine only they've got one. in yeah. only one because they don't need anyone else and, yeah. and you know it maybe it won't that happen happened after like two games and, maybe and, one and it's a little bit different i think sometimes in in that position because really like it comes down to one thing do you score goals or do you mm-hmm. not score goals mm-hmm. and so if you go in and you start scoring goals well it's it's going to be a pretty clear-cut decision there's more factors in, in other position groups on the field sure. um sure so I think with Busio, you know, we'll see what happens. But, I mean, he's only – the kid's 19 years old and is only getting better and better. And it, it's great because I don't know what his ceiling is. I, I, I don't even think we've seen the best of him yet. So. No, not at this age. Um, okay, so that's going to do it for us. The United States takes on Mexico at 8 o'clock on Friday night on ESPN2. A big, big uh, World Cup qualifier between the two giants of the CONCACAF region. And then the week after that. MLS playoffs are upon us. Sporting KC against Vancouver on November 20th at 4 o'clock. Next week's show will focus all on the playoffs and get you ready for that. So for Jean-Luc Abusio and for Ali Trost, this is Nate Bucati saying thanks for listening. We've been brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. We will see you next week right here on the Sporting Kansas City Show.